0: good morning and welcome to episode 22 of beekeeping at five apple farm this is lee i'm so glad you've joined me today i just want to say thank you to all of you who have taken the time to leave feedback on itunes and or um, who have left a comment or written me on facebook it just makes my day i love hearing about what you're doing with the bees I also enjoy hearing about when you're listening to the podcast and what you're getting from it and what you'd like to hear, so thanks very much. Today I uh, have a few random things to talk to you about. This is unrehearsed, and as a friend told me recently, yeah, it sounds pretty unrehearsed. (laughs) I think they meant that in a nice way, but it is truly unrehearsed. Um, I know that that's the only way I'll keep doing it, is if I just kind of do it by the seat of the pants and... hope that it's helpful in some way the things I want to talk to you about today first of all I want to talk to you about this cool um, smartphone app that's coming it was a kickstarter project and then um, talk to you about a few topics that have come up in questions from listeners and then finally if I get to it in this one uh, do a little reading on some bee plants If I'm long-winded on this one, then that will be on the next one. But first of all, let me tell you about this uh, new smartphone app that's coming. And I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, there's a lot of gimmicky stuff out there. But I think this might have some value. It's called Be Health Guru, and um, it is a successfully funded Kickstarter project. But the Kickstarter thing happened... Uh, from what I read, right at the end of of this app being developed, there are several researchers out at the University of Montana who've been working on this. I think about ten years, and the gist is that it's an app on your uh, smartphone that you can um, basically record your hive. So you put your smartphone right up to your hive, you record some of the sound coming from your hive and run it through the app and it makes a diagnosis on what's going on in your hive which is you know uh, it gives you kind of percentages about what might be going on now I find this fascinating because one of the things that you you'll quickly notice um, you may have unfortunately already quickly noticed it is uh, right after a hive goes queenless they make this very off uh, to me it it sounds off key buzz it's it's an unhappy sound <laughs> and once you realize why then you really hear it as an unhappy sound but but i have noticed this um, at times when i've had to remove or wanted to remove a queen from a hive and if i've taken the frame with her out of the hive and set it aside sometimes within is sometimes while i'm still doing the inspection they will begin to make this particular buzzing sound that is very noticeable to my ear. I'm not a musician, in fact I am terrible at all that, um, but I've thought before to myself that wow, I bet a guitar tuner, one of the electronic guitar tuners, could pick up that change in, in tone and I'm so thrilled to see that these researchers have not only um, develop this app that can give you a percentage what it does is it kind of gives you a percentage about what it thinks is going on in this hive not just for queenlessness but also for um, a varroa infection for africanized bees for small hive beetle for fowl brood nosema and other sounds because um, obviously people who are in who are researchers noticed how distinctive the different tones of the Hive the overall Hive buzz is so I am excited about this I meant so much to contribute to the Kickstarter campaign so that I would get the early release copy and I'm so bummed that I this fell off my to-do list and I didn't get to it but it's called Be Health Guru G-U-R-U and it's out of the University of Montana the Early release, I think, is supposed to happen in July. And then hopefully, hopefully, it will be at the app store, in the smartphone store. And I would so happily pay to have this app and play with it. And um, I think it's built in a way that as we all use it and report back how it's working, that it it, it gets better over time. So look that up. Be bee health guru a smartphone app for beekeepers on kickstarter and you can um, read about it and then follow it if you're interested so the other thing is i recently listened to a great podcast that i want to tell you about it's uh, mandy shaw in beekeeper confidential and i'm flipping to it right now so i can tell you about it so that's mandy shaw Beekeeper Confidential, and she recently interviewed Samuel Ramsey, the most really young, wonderful bee researcher, who is such a fun and delight to listen to, fascinating guy, who's also brilliant, and who pretty much started his career with bees in making this, uh, the huge uh, discovery, um, or I should say proving the thing that had been suspected for some time, and that is that the mites are not feeding on the bee hemolyph, they're not really feeding on bee blood, but even worse, they're feeding on the bee fat bodies, which is the bee equivalent pretty much to our liver. So that's even less cool than hemolyph, but uh, he was the guy who uh, figured out a testing protocol to prove that uh, research-wise. And Samuel Ramsey so on one of her episodes I can't put my finger on it literally on my iPhone right now but um, she interviews him it is a funny um, interview and also amazing and also scary because the next the mite that he is now studying is an, an another Asian mite it is not thank God in the United States yet but unfortunately it very well could get here anytime and the gist is that it makes Faroa look like a teddy bear and, um, oh, and it, well, that is depressing, but it also um, confirms something that I have suspected and that is the less we bring bees in from other areas of the country, then the slower, once it makes it to the United States, which is almost inevitable over time, I hope it takes a long time. In fact, I would like to be old and one foot out of here when it does, but I don't know if I'll get that lucky. But um, when it does make it to the United States, you know, it will probably come in on one of the major, you know, port areas and then it will begin its spread across the United States, much like Varroa did. Well, whenever we Are spreading bees around Um, that's one of the ways it's spread sadly it will probably be almonds that that you know do the bees in with this this new mite almonds are about the one thing that I've given up in protest (laughs) just because they are so terrible for our bees in terms of creating a a kind of, because as you probably know, about, I don't know, 80% of the commercial bees, 70-80% of the commercial bees in the United States, go out to pollinate almonds. They are hired out and trucked out to pollinate almonds, which are not a very nutritious pollen source. So it's early spring, all they have is almond pollen, uh, which creates a poor nutritional um, situation. They're They're crammed into these orchards from all over the country, so bees from all over the country, hives are crammed into the orchards, so they're rubbing elbows. It creates a real refugee camp situation in terms of disease spread. Then they bust up the refugee camp, ship them back all over the country, and so whatever brand new disease is out there, now it's distributed to all over the country. And um, this is one reason I'm really glad I do not live in an area of commercial beekeeping where bees are trucked back here from almonds because, you know, I don't want to be the first one to get the new disease. I mean, nobody does, and my heart goes out to beekeepers in those areas. But um, the less we truck bees and ship bees around the country, then the better it's going to be. I have always thought that there would be a time, probably not long, when I would no longer order queens from other parts of the country because of fear of disease coming in with them. I feel like I'm probably getting to that point pretty quickly um well anyway that's I'll, i won't I won't go down that rabbit hole but um anyway, pay close attention do google searches and things to find out where the new diseases are in the country and try your best not to get bees from those areas for anything any reason and you know let it be as slow getting to your area as possible and so the less we move bees around the slower uh, the diseases travel i remember when i lived back in the ozarks in arkansas there was this old fella who I was a friend of, uh, he was not a beekeeper, but we were talking bees. He was very much interested in biology and had watched this one particular farm in a pretty remote area of the Ozarks, you know, for his whole, I don't know, he was 85 or so, I think, when I when I met him a few years ago. And he remembered distinctly when the Varroa mite had come to that part of the Ozarks because the beekeepers that he knew... Um, knew exactly when they came, because apparently a truckload of commercial bees coming, I assume, back from somewhere, turned over uh, on one of those mountain roads. And immediately after that, the beekeepers in the area suddenly began losing their bees. And so it was very distinct, like a day on the calendar when everything got to that remote area. And it was very sad uh, hearing that story. And I know that well so many areas go through that (laughs) almost any given day so uh, keep an eye on where the diseases are where the new bee diseases are get familiar with them and keep an eye on it not in a morbid kind of way but in a smart kind of way to immediately stop getting bees from that area uh, of new diseases and try to increase the awareness of that you know if um Uh, try to increase the awareness if you have a supplier that's supplying nukes and package bees in your area or even queens um, please try to educate them that uh, to to slow the disease spread down to try to get all those uh, bees from as close to home as possible because that way you're just getting the diseases that are already there and not bringing any fresh new mess okay sorry i did go down a rabbit hole see now you see why i mentioned that the article could end up being the next podcast so the next thing i want to talk about is how to move bees if you have to and a listener asked about this and actually i've gotten several questions over the spring about people who needed bees and um I mean who needed to move bees and by this i'm talking about local moves meaning you need to move them from one side of your yard to the other or you need to move them um, a few miles down the road or um, there are instances where you've you've had your bees checked for um, diseases you've got all your health papers and you need to move them across state lines in that latter case um, when I had, when I moved bees uh, from Arkansas years ago, something I don't know that I would do now with all the disease stuff going on, but um, I had to get a health inspection from the bee inspector there in Arkansas. And then I had to get permission from the bee inspector here in North Carolina to move the bees. So they actually, my bees, my few hives that I moved were traveling with traveling papers. And I did that because there was, I found out I mean, not only because you're supposed to do that, but also because there's like a $10,000 fine. (laughs) I forget which state it was, whether it was North Carolina, for bringing in hives uh, that did not have their health certificates and traveling papers. And um, I thought that was extreme at the time, but with all the disease stuff, I, I get it now. So my bees got their full deep down inspection in Arkansas, then we traveled here but it was in the hot summertime. I was very nervous about moving my bees, and I got very lucky that a beekeeper, an experienced commercial beekeeper from Mississippi gave me the tip that I believe saved my bees' lives as I was coming across in um, late June, coming across the country, halfway anyway. Um, And that was, uh, first of all, okay, so hmm, let me back up. Let me talk about small moves for beginners. So let's say you've put your hive in a place in your yard and you've discovered, wow, this is a really bad place. I really need to have these on the other side of the house, let's say. Then whatever you do, don't just move your bees. You will it this is my opinion, but you'll see online people will be like, "Oh, you know, just put a branch with leaves on the front of the hive after you move them and they'll reorient." Well, yeah, some of them will, and sometimes they do, but if you've ever moved a hive away from its spot, especially if it's a big booming hive, and um, and seen how many of the foragers come back to the now empty spot and hang around, then it's sobering in terms of how many angry, upset bees are going to be there. And they won't go anywhere. They will kind of hang around and be miserable. You know, if there's no other hives nearby, they will hang around and get madder and madder. Um, I packed up my bees at night uh in in the late evening in arkansas but still it wasn't completely dark and so the people who bought the house i warned them that out in the bee yard you know there could be a group of bees out there hopefully not many but they would be angry and to please stay away from them you know until the bees wandered off and i did hear from the owner of the house that that was true that there was about a um, softball sized group of angry bees out there where the apiary had been and that it took them almost a week to um, to wander off luckily the people weren't moving in right away but that was good information to me because you would not want to do that to yourself if that hive is right up on your house um, and you move their hive to the other side of the house and those foragers will have a hard time it may take days um, for them to to wander off to this hive spot new hive spot if they do and in the meantime put it politely they're just pissed as hell and so um, you want to avoid that the rule is you want to move your hives either a few feet or a few miles and the few feet even that has some cautionary uh, tales because if you don't want a lot of your bees getting into another hive let's say you're moving one hive out of several then the foragers that get confused and stay behind with a site they will go into another hive sometimes that's no problem especially if there's a flow I understand it's a lot easier for bees to get in other hives which is both good and bad but um, but sometimes there's reasons you don't want a bunch of angry foragers going into another hive uh, let's say for example the hive you're moving has a disease and maybe that's why you're moving it or maybe you're even um, eliminating that hive uh, you don't want the foragers from that hive going into other hives so anyway um, the thing about the bees the foragers are attached to their their exact hive site and I mean by a by a, a couple feet specific while the nurse bees of course most of them have not flown and so they'll stay with wherever you move the hive the whole couple feet or a couple miles saying is because if you need to move your bees from um, one side of your house to the other side of your house or one side of your farm to the other side of your farm they need to be moved off-site at least a couple miles probably three is better but i think a couple will do Um, because past that distance you know past the typical forager range distance um, the bees when they come out it will be different enough that they will go whoa and they will reorient to the new hive spot so this is where an outyard is so handy for so many reasons and by outyard, it that could also be um, a friend's house that's agreeable to all this that's more than two miles away so if i pick up one of my hives uh, at night, you know, screen it off and uh, load it up, and that can also be first thing in the morning before everybody gets going, and um, screen every all the entrances off, close it down, strap it up with a uh, ratcheting tie-down, put it on the back of a truck, strap it down to the back of the truck, and then move it uh, to uh, my out yard, which is probably several miles from my house then when i open it they will be agitated at first but the first thing they do when they come out is they will reorient to that spot so pretty much there will be no bee loss Um, and then in a couple weeks a couple few weeks i can move that hive back to my house and wherever i put them again they will reorient now all that's fairly stressful on the bees you wouldn't want to do this casually and because you know while they're all reorienting Um, they're not collecting nectar or honey and then it takes them a minute to well more than a minute you know it takes them a certain amount of days to learn the landmarks in that local area so that they can navigate away and back to the hive so um, there is research about the decrease in weight gain that a hive will have uh, the week after it's moved so um, just keep that in mind But it is a technique of moving them, you know, more than a couple miles away, letting them reorient for a few weeks, a couple few weeks. Then you can move them back to your house or apiary and put them where you want them. And in that, all the bees will stay with the hive. Um, If you, in your apiary, let's say you just needed to move them several yards from where they are, And let's say you might only have a couple hives, then I would do one hive at a time, and basically just move them about a foot a day. So you know, have put up a second hive stand, move the hive, they'll go to the new hive about a foot away, as long as the other hive isn't closer. Um, And you can move them stepwise like that every few days. I've had to do that in my apiary where I just needed them on the other end of my hive stand and there wasn't another hive on that particular hive stand and you can move them um, a foot or two a day if they're if that's kinda the only hive in that area and and they'll find their way and that way you can you can inch it down and get them where you want to go so that's the dynamics of moving a hive but now, if you have to take your hive a ways, let's say, bless your heart, I hope not, you have to drive your bees um, across uh, a good distance, and let's say it's the hot summertime, the, the threat to the bees is the lack of ventilation and them overheating. They can die very, very quickly with overheating, just like, you know, dogs and babies in a closed car. It does not take long, and it's a terrible beekeeper error to make because obviously the whole hive's dead Um, wax melts i believe it's 120 degrees fahrenheit um, and so that would be a giant mess anyway you don't want to do this and there's a way to avoid it one is to move bees at night this works two ways once it gets dark they're all in there you can screen up the entrances and close up the hive ratchet it together um, and uh, they're all in there the trick that the Mississippi Beekeeper gave me was to actually not have the top cover on and actually not the outer cover either what I did instead was I if you open up you take off the outer cover take off the inner cover I put on an extra box an empty box just to give them space and then I stapled um, with the big stapler I stapled the bee hardware cloth that they can't get through on top of that box. So it kind of created a, like a, a chimney, if you will, on the top. And then the whole top of the box was screen. Um, it did rain on me a little bit, but not enough to hurt the bees. And the truck was moving, so there was, they didn't seem to mind. But what this does is he said what will what bees will do is when they get hot and they're closed up in their hive they will go up to the top and if you if you have the inner cover on they will cram that whole space so tight that the air can't get through and they'll actually accidentally overheat and smother themselves so to fix that you give them a big empty space above the top bars so that even if they do go up there and cluster which mine did not they stayed pretty most of them stayed down on the bars because the air was moving Um, and so that putting an empty box on top and screening the top instead of covering the top worked very well Uh, to move the bees and it was a good thing because even though I moved them at night like I had been taught you know because of the heat um, actually in the in the morning when I got close to North Carolina um, there was a a truck had overturned on the interstate and I got stuck out on the interstate in the sun and now it was early morning but it was late June and I really fear that my bees might have died had I not done this trick that the mississippi beekeeper i don't know his name but i'll be forever grateful to taught me of giving your ways bees away to breathe and the other thing i was to tell you really i mean staple the thing thoroughly if you need bees to stay in there because i mean i stapled the heck out of it i had put the same uh, bee proof hardware cloth on the entrance and i had put it on the top and i had ratcheted the whole thing together and then i loaded them on the truck um, one thing I did make sure was to leave air space under the hive so that the the I uh, have screen bottom boards so that the air could flow up. But if you put it on a flat surface, then no air can get in there. So I put 2x4 runners under them, and that way it allowed air to flow up through the hive and out the top. But still, with all my stapling, every time I would stop to get gas, <laughs> there would be a few bees escape. And so I left a few bees here and there um so look look careful that they're that they're stapled in their well and go overboard about ratcheting them together and to your truck for your own safety as well as your other people in the world well see i have i have been so long-winded, and this is why I had to do a podcast. Because I just love to talk about bees, and if you had run into me at the grocery store and we had talked bees, then you would be 25 minutes delayed from your grocery shopping if I had gotten on this tear. So I just had to do a podcast so I could talk um, bees, and I think I'll just wrap it up uh, with that. I've got to get to Lowe's to buy some um, farm stuff this morning. And in the next one, I'll do it in the next couple of days, I'm going to do a little bonus reading. Someone on Facebook had said, wow, I just need to learn more about bee biology. And they didn't specify what exactly what they wanted to learn. If you're that person, please write me and tell me what parts of bee biology are you wanting to learn more about, and I will find some type of reading to do for you. This next one that I will do on the next um, episode is from an it's actually a textbook it's called honeybee biology and beekeeping dewey Karen c-a-r-o-n and lawrence john connor um, and it's a great book in fact of all the books that i've seen just really covering if you want to learn about bees honeybees um, not just what to do but it does have that somehow to in it but a lot of it is everything about their biology, then I highly recommend Honey Bee Biology and Beekeeping by Dewey Caron, C-A-R-O-N. And it is published by, uh, oh, uh, Wicwas Press, W-I-C-W-A-S Press. And they publish a ton of, um, bee books so wickwas thank you wickwas for publishing this i enjoy it i have it i got it to study for the journeyman test which i still have not taken but i do in um august long story tell you later Um, and i'm going to read a little selection out of this book about summer bee forage Uh, and i'll talk to you about that more soon i hope you have a wonderful day again please leave a comment on iTunes leave a hopefully a good review if you like things here and tell me what else you would like me to add to this podcast or please stop by the Facebook page beekeeping at 5 apple farm no it's not sorry let me back up it is 5 apple farm bees honey and more i named it long before i did this podcast and you know with be with facebook pages once you get a certain amount of people you can't change the name on your page so i'm stuck with it at least it's close enough All right. Thank you every single one of you for listening. It makes my day when I see people downloading the podcast and to feel like um, we as a group as a beekeeping community are trying to learn more and be better beekeepers. I am cheering you on. Have a great day.